0: Wash your hands and keep it clean You gotta wash your hands and keep it clean We'll flatten that curve while we're quarantine. It feels absurd, but just you wait and see Cover your cough and if you sneeze And then you wash your hands and keep it clean That's right Wash your hands, everybody
1: And welcome back to our Saturday Thrive Subscribe Series, COVID-19 Practice Pearls. Today, we know that experts are saying that testing is the biggest obstacle to reopening our communities. We know community pharmacy can play a large role helping to manage the pandemic um, along really among the majority of COVID-19 patients that we'll see that have mild or moderate um, symptoms. Within our pharmacies, um, I know we all were, are familiar with the announcement that went out on April 8th, where the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services issued guidance around authorizing licensed pharmacists to order and administer COVID-19 tests, which includes the serology tests. Um, that the FDA has authorized. So public health officials and political leaders are all warning that most of the states are not conducting a sufficient number of COVID-19 tests to monitor how the virus is spreading and its extent in a way that would allow Americans to safely return to work. So we're gonna dig into all of that today and what that looks like in your practice setting. Um, and we have the experts here to guide us through that. Mm-hmm. So to talk through some of these testing challenges, we have Ashley and Joe back again this week um, with guest Amina Baker. Um, to help ensure that you're ready to offer the testing that's going to support your communities. So with that, Joe and Ashley, thank you so much for being here with us again today, and I'm going to turn it over to you.
2: Thanks, everybody, for jumping on. Thanks uh, 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 for that uh, introduction, and, and uh, we're excited today. We've got a, a guest who, who's a really good friend of, of both Ashley and, and myself today, so we're excited to have um, not only another good friend on, on the uh, the podcast today, but somebody who, who's super knowledgeable in this this whole area of COVID testing and what's available out there in testing. Um, as always, uh, those of you who are on with us live right now, we encourage you to send us um, send us you know your ideas, your thoughts, your questions. Send us what you're doing, your best practices that you're currently doing in your pharmacy on the topic, so we can share it with the group. Um, so I'll hand it off to Ashley uh, Branham. Ashley?
0: Yeah, hey, good afternoon, everybody, and uh, thanks again for spending um, your day or a portion of your day with us. Um, when, when the announcement came out around pharmacists' um, authorized um, opportunity to um, administer in order, um, COVID 19 tests, I think we began to talk about that even within our own pharmacy and, and talk about what's feasible and, and how do you, you know, what what's going to change in the workflow. All of these questions started to arise if, if it was a good fit for us to do that in our communities or not. And, um, as, as Joe and I began to talk about this, we thought, well, we got to bring somebody in on, on this call to talk about it because we imagine many of you are having some of the same questions about, um, um, just the real practical issues of there's there's fear of having um, folks with potential COVID, positive COVID um, around your pharmacy, around your employees, already in a time when we have limited um, PPE, and um, you know how much does it cost? Do you need a CUIA waiver? Do you? All of these all of these questions are, are um, starting to rise, and we thought we would use some time to talk about it um, today. And of course, uh, um, as Joe mentioned, if you have any thoughts about um, this topic today. And, um, and and we'd love to hear it and share. That's what this is about, is sharing of best practices. And we definitely think um, there's, a, there's a space for pharmacies and particularly community pharmacies um, to be able to administer this test. So um, for those of you who are contemplating it, um, that's what today's topic is going to be about. Um, so with that, I, I, I'd love to turn it over, Joe, unless you have anything else. Yep. Let's invite Amina on and um, just um, start kind of the discussion around what are the what are the things we need to consider to jump on this opportunity
2: yeah so I mean you you've, I've heard you do uh, no less than probably five um, webinars on the, the subject and I've heard each one as kind of one after another each day you know the information that has changed as rapidly as as Everything associated with COVID on it. So, give us a, a thirty thousand foot view of, uh, in terms of testing, of where we stand as of right now. And everybody listening, keep in mind that uh, you know we're recording this live now. But uh, as with yesterday, uh, as with last week's podcast, by the time the podcast was over, the announcement had been made to include pharmacists. Um, in the testing. So uh, that happened during our podcast last week. So we don't know what's happening right now during this podcast as we speak. So just keep in mind that what we're telling you today may change tomorrow. So Amina, tell us from a 30,000 foot view, just a 30 second overview of where we are with with, uh, with COVID testing.
3: Well, the great news is that we now have what we call rapid testing, right? So when COVID first uh, started and folks were testing, whether it was the hospital or providers or health departments, it would take several weeks for these results to come in. So what's exciting in the testing world, now it's all about this test that we can give results within 15 minutes or so. So also it's looking at accessibility for pharmacies, is why this podcast or what this movement and me doing webinars is so important because we have just personal friends who were having symptoms, but no one no one was available to test them. So whether or not we want these folks in our uh, pharmacies, then we need to talk about how that would really show up and how would we keep ourselves safe and our staff. But accessibility, unless, until it happens to someone very close and you see how hard it is, they were calling all over town and no one has these tests and some providers would not see them because they are only seeing their own primary care provide, uh, patients. So that was became very important for me to follow. How can I be a, an access point for uh, for my community?
2: Excellent. So um, pharmacists can test. Um, there are basically three tests in the market or three types of tests in the marketplace, right, The, the or, or potentially in the marketplace, so necu- molecular, antigen, and ant- antibody, um, and, and can you tell us real quickly just a major difference in the three um, without getting into any, any kind of detail, just so we're all on the same page or, of what yeah. our opportunities are?
3: I would are. say the first two, whether it's the molecular PCR or the antigen, they're both the nasal or throat, they're diagnosing for COVID. So this is for people who have symptoms today, possible active infection. How do we rule out COVID or flu? This will be the test. Then the antibody, the hope is that we can test for asymptomatic folks who may have been exposed and the pathway to now check titers in the future to see who has immunity.
2: Okay. so we're all on the we're all on the same page of what's available out there in the type of test we're all on the same page that that hey pharmacists uh, can do test uh, so what do we need to do to get started what, how do we start about that What what would be the what would be the top three things that you're thinking uh, I, I need to do
3: so if uh, yes I want to do testing number one priority make sure your pharmacy has a clear waiver and we will provide resources for the links in where you go to apply for your clear waiver. Very simple, uh, costs around $150. Uh, and then once you have this, because remember it takes time. So far I've found out that it's about 68 weeks. So if you want to get into the testing uh, uh, environment, I would start now. I wouldn't wait till I have, all this figured out. Because the good news is, you don't have to just to test for COVID, right? Flu and strep are all around. And I feel like just being given the COVID authority, we could see the expansion to some of these other public health uh, infections. So, CLEAR waiver number one. Now, if you're a pharmacy like me, we have had CLEAR waiver maybe six years ago. What I would do now is just email to your local CLEAR. Uh, Clear organization to just update the type of test that you want to get into now all they requires an email they've told me they don't expect for us to respond but it's good practice to just inform them from your last renewal or your last application what other tests are you now offering
2: so you're saying so so we here at Moose Farm so we've had a clear waiver forever um and and uh I can't even tell you what items we listed in our original application. has been so long, but let's say it's blood glucose and hemoglobin A1C and maybe cholesterol. Um, we need to we need to let our local CLIA know that uh, that we are now doing or we want to add coronavirus or COVID testing and hemoglobin and you know whatever other point of care that we may want to add for in the future for other types of a strip test or whatever yes okay perfect so sure. I, I will say um, uh, on the CLIA application uh, if you go to NCPA's website uh, there's a, a great video by by Kurt uh, and Hannah on there from the the NCA NCpa staff that walks you through how to fill out the the CLIA application is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple, but it's worth watching this three or four minute video to get a, to get a walk through and they tell you basically what needs to go in each blank. So it's uh, you'll, you'll find it's pretty prominent um, if you go to NCPA's COVID page.
0: We'll be be able to attach that or include it in the show notes as well. So um, you can look for the link in our show notes.
3: And the advantage of actually taking the clear waiver pathway is that if you've heard from CMS and uh, the president has asked every insurance company to cover anything related to COVID testing without any copays, but you would have to have a clear waiver to be able to bill these. So that's another opportunity um, as opposed to wanting to do cash only you would have a payment method. So then once I get clear, I'm thinking, all right, now how do I educate my staff? Because everyone's already super nervous. We already closed our doors to do curbside uh, pickup or delivery or mail. So now how do I go back and say, hey guys, we're going to invite a lot of people who may be sick, but they want to find out that they have COVID into our pharmacy. So I had to think about where would we even do this test? So that would be something to consider in your pharmacy. Is it something you wanna set up outside of your pharmacy, uh, like a a private area with a tent? Or do you have uh, enough PPE for all your staff that the patients can come in one at a time? Where would they sit? Where would they wait? Those are other things to consider And every pharmacy is set up very differently because if I look at the example of our local physicians and the minute clinics, you're calling ahead to say that you want testing and you're just staying in your car and someone's coming outside, handing you the the swabs, especially if you're doing the molecular or antigen, handing you your swab because now patients are allowed to do it by themselves. And then you step away, when they're done, you collect it, and next patient. So that would be a good best practice for us to consider, too.
0: So, I Amina, mean, you're saying um, a lot of the, the background information is tackled at the maybe over the phone before the patient even arrives. So their demographic information, maybe insurance information, that's all handled under a phone consult prior to arrival, and perhaps an appointment time set up. Maybe it's just... Um, a drive-by, you know, option where they can call almost like a curbside pickup of their medicine. They can call and call in their demographic information, and then um, get more information about getting that test yes. um, at the curbside or wherever your facility designates that to occur. Mm-hmm. Okay, good.
3: And then once the staff feels safe, is to also make sure we we're going to have continuous supply of PPE. You know, that's been uh, an, an ongoing issue. And uh, now it's good that we, you could have a surgical mask, but then probably getting those shields. I've been seeing a lot of those uh, face shields that might be more economical than the, the N95s and the K95s. Because I tried to order more today, our wholesaler doesn't have them. So just thinking about what other methods we would have for protection that's going to be economical moving forward as well.
0: I mean, I know that you're kind of still thinking through this process for your side as well, and just curious about um, we we simply don't want to administer the tests and let them drive away with results, whether it's positive or negative, without a plan for follow up. Have you have you had any thoughts around you know what? To, so we've we been go trying, back to primary care? What what are you thinking around follow-up in terms of after the test is conducted?
3: Yeah, so we've been trying to work through an algorithm. So first, it's kind of like we want to screen over the phone to see why, you know, folks, what are the symptoms, what's going on. Uh, to, we're trying to find if they're high risk, then immediately after the test to send them to their provider or we're even thinking through if they're high risk, do we just want them to go see their provider? So those are some of the preliminary processes we're trying to put together. Uh, So yeah, so getting the screening up front of the questions, where have you been? uh, Things like that. And then once they come in and we do that test is we have to hand the results. So if you're going to do the, like the Abbott Now, I, um, the ID Now by Abbott, that's kind of like 15 minutes. Then they just have to wait. And do we just write the results and hand the patient? But do we do further counseling?
2: And that's an antigen test.
3: Those, yes. For, as of today, no antibody tests have a clear waiver. None of them. And I'll tell you the reason which starts to make sense for me It's simply because since the FDA is not taking their time to go through approval and validation, they had to think through which profession are they going to trust. So they've chosen to trust high complex labs because they may have Policies and procedures, way to rule out false negative, false positive, because they're already set up for complexity. That's the only folks who can do the antibody tests today that are just through notification by FDA. If the antibody test has an EUA, they're considered still moderate to high complexity. So, pharmacy as of today, while this sounds great, we don't have a pathway as of today. So that's why I'm focusing on opening our doors for folks that are having symptoms and they want to get tested. We have a clear waiver. We want to get the Abbott ID now. Come in. Let's test you. Yes, Mina, exactly. for those
0: that are starting to get in the space too, are are they are we ordering directly from the manufacturer of these tests, or do we anticipate wholesalers to eventually have access to the tests? Do you have any insight on that at this point? I know it's ever changing.
3: I think the manufacturers have probably blocked my phone number. <laughs> They're not answering. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> what they when I first started talking to them, they were told to prioritize hotspots, right? Areas that are in such a need. And that's where they're focused on. But I do know now they're having dialogues with distributors that would be our, our wholesalers that we're used to. So I know those dialogues are opening up now because they've already satisfied the areas of high needs. So if
0: we're going to place an order, do not call from your cell phone.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> they don't have I think they have my number. <laughs> That's good
2: So, so, we'll keep so that. I, I just want you to clarify this question that came in, because I, I think you just touched on but I want to make sure that the the, uh, the person asking the question understands it. And their question was, it appears that uh, we also must use uh, an FDA EUA test that is, that is CLIA waived for the NCPA website. There are only three tests that meet the CLIA waiver criteria. Is this what you know to be accurate as of now as well?
3: As of now, that's all we have. And none of those are antibody. They're all diagnostic for actual COVID infection. So those are for symptomatic patients. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Francis. Um, So I also got a question about what is the recommendation for PPE, gloves, KN95 uh, mask or N95 mask shields? Um, is this enough for pharmacies to test? Uh, do we need gowns? Are there, are there um, set criteria what we need in terms of PPE in the testing?
3: So personally, I would go overboard because we're still learning about this virus, right? every day there's a new update. Now it's in shoes, now it's in this. So if I'm going to put our staff member up front, I just wanna make sure that we're gonna have the whole process. So we're gonna have the face shields if we're just having surgical masks. But even if we have N95s, we're thinking of having the face shields. We're gonna have the, the gown uh, disposable. And if we're bringing patients in, we're thinking maybe the, the patients need to have shoe covers because if we are bringing them to the pharmacy. So it's kind of um, whatever folks want to do, but I'm just thinking personally, right? We are, we are now bringing this in to our side. And if you're testing symptomatic patients, I would take maximum precaution. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's your staff. That's I've, I've always said that's our most valuable asset. We really want to make sure that we're taking care of them. I think what we balance or what we juggle here is the want to do the right thing for our patient, with the want to, to expand our practice and start doing testing, but a, the ability to actually get what we need um, to, to operate at an optimal level. So I, I think that it's we're kind of in a stay-tuned mode. And as the tests become available, we'll learn more about what is the minimum requirement you should have to do this and what is available and, and how will we have the availability to get it. Um, like you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the we can now observe them doing swabs versus doing swabs ourselves. So I think that helps um, kind of put one, one extra layer of protection in there that that we don't actually have to do the swab if it's the if it's the nasal swab or throat swab version. So um, I think as the tests roll out into the marketplace and as we uh, you know are, are set to do these, uh, we'll just have to weigh that the pros and cons of what what PPE we can actually get our hands on uh, versus what we're going to do in terms of testing for folks um, out there.
3: Yeah and then every day new tests are coming in and I think it will drive the cost down. You
2: know? Yes so, absolutely.
3: So that's what we're really uh looking forward to is having competition in the market so it can drive some of these uh, costs down. I don't know if you guys saw about the one from Rutgers University that's now Saliva. Right? So yeah. Yes. going to be a game changer because I don't know how many patients would really do a good Swab on themselves. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'll probably cheat. <laughs> if it's painful. They well, probably won't. So I think uh, new methods of uh, of getting this uh, testing is also going to change in the market.
0: So we've had a couple questions come in. I mean, uh, um, related to um, some of the conversation we're having, and, and one is. I think an important um, question that we need to cover around the legu- regulatory aspect of um, COVID testing. And um, I think, you know, what role should we have with working with our local and state health departments, um, as, as well as any other regulatory agents like um, the, the Board of Pharmacies, for example, in? Um, in testing and particularly in areas of hot spots or where there is limited testing opportunities. Have you had any thoughts on that so far or engagement with the state health department?
3: I think the best place to start is with your board of pharmacy because they are more of a centralized uh, place so they they know what else is happening in the state so that way we don't have to reinvent the wheel because if everyone uh, approaches directly to the, to the public health, they may receive so many calls of similar things. So when I did is I started with the board of pharmacy and they connected us to talk to the public health. So we are in that process, but we were approaching them in terms of, uh, antibody tests. But right now, since we don't have a pathway to do this, we haven't moved forward. And also by the time we were talking to them, that letter saying pharmacists can do it wasn't there. So now we are back to the table again to contact the Board of Pharmacy and see what task force are already there and how can pharmacy report. Because testing is one thing, but if we can't participate in painting a better picture of who's positive, then we're not really doing a good public health service.
2: Perfect. Um, so uh, we, we know that we've got to get our clear way. We know we've got to talk to our staff and get them comfortable. We know that we've got to find out where we're going to do this test. Is it something that's happening outside the pharmacy, something that's happening inside the pharmacy? Um and we know the different types of tests. Um, we, we've got a good question from from somebody uh, on the podcast right now, Deborah Bowers. If we could uh, uh, unmute Deborah's uh, line and let her her propose her question here. Can you Deborah hear me? Can? Yes.
4: Okay. So my question is: What is the feasibility and liability or legality of? us not actually doing the test but just being a collection center and sending the test to the actual high complexity lab to do um, the actual test do all the billing etc um, considering right now there is no CLIA wave test so to me we're not even doing the point of care test but we're actually fulfilling a need
3: okay so, so just to get clarity because there are three types so are you talking about antibody because the others are clear wave there are three clear wave tests currently for di- for actually testing for COVID 19 the active infection so is that what well, I guess I guess my
4: biggest concern is for payment. Um, you know, all the all the models that I've seen right now are for just cash pay for the pharmacies. But I figure if you are with a um, if you if you are in combination with a lab, obviously you wouldn't be able to get the highest amount of payment because they would take a cut and you would take a cut. But that seems like it would be the easiest way to get into
3: this and help quickly um, for any kind of test? There's two parts to your question. Yes. If I say, you know what, I don't want to make an investment. I don't want to buy these supplies and get stuck with them. I want to partner with a lab. If you're a site, that lab themselves are carrying their liability because that's what, if you guys don't know, CVS and Walgreens are not using any of their pharmacy staff or Minute Clinic. They have subcontract or contracted with a lab that's sending out their own staff and using their foot traffic as access point. So you don't have a legal liability if you're not the one testing. And those um, authorizations are for those companies. And I know many labs do that. They can go off site and they update their CLIA, especially during a pandemic. CLIA allows them to tell what other sites they're going to go out. So you won't even be a collection as your pharmacy, you're just an access point.
2: You'd be a real estate partner in that terms. You're giving them the real estate to to do this, this test.
3: It's like us going to do. A health fair somewhere else or screen or immunize somewhere else we're still responsible so maybe the only liability you would add uh, as a liability waiver because I remember we went to do immunizations at a different organization and they wanted us to add their site as our on our liability certificate so maybe That would be a good best practice. Again, I'm not a legal person, but maybe if they're coming to you, could they add your site? So if someone falls or whatever that happens, you have um, your site on their liability holder. That would be a good question for us to talk to uh, legal folks, but it won't be the medical part.
2: So we're running out of time here today. Um, I I Thank everybody for getting on. Amina, as always, uh, Enjoy talking with you. Uh, COVIDbestpractices.com. A lot of great information there to learn about the CLIA and how to fill out the CLIA uh, waiver application. You can go to uh, ncpa.org's website to learn how to do that. There's a great video to, to walk you through that. As always, we want you to send us your best practices. Let's say you've developed a checklist that you have. Um, before you start doing uh, testing at your site, or you've got a you've got a checklist in in terms of PPE or anything that you're doing, or you've developed a protocol around how you're going to do testing once it rolls out, or or you've got screening forms, any of that type of information, we would love for you to send that to us. Um, and uh, Ashley, help me with the website, the email address they send that to.
0: It is covid at cpesn.com.
2: Yes, thank you. Send that to covid at cpesn.com. We love to share. That's what we're all about is sharing these best practices. So so send us your um, information. If you want us to keep it anonymous, we can we can make it anonymous and just, just put uh, your things out there. So, uh, again, uh, Amina, I want to uh, let you take us home today. Uh, any final words you want to leave the group with today?
3: Let's be awesome together. I think uh, being given the opportunity to order tests is such a big step. I want pharmacists to take uh, it seriously and be responsible, uh, be able to communicate with your local clear, get the right pathways and uh, yes, uh, let's see what this uh, takes us in the future. I hope it's really kicking us out to the future faster than we would without COVID. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought
2: to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.